1: Hello, and welcome to Formula for Success. I'm David Coulthard, and that was a rocking new intro. And the Jack Sparrow growl of the man sitting next to me, Ah! Eddie Jordan. Ah! That's me. I'm still here, David. Oh, my God. Well, we're making a bit of habit of this, aren't we? We're getting together again, this time in a recording studio in Monaco. And we even met up for a drink the other night.
0: Well, I was concerned about that, because you set a time at 6.15, and you rocked up at 8.15, and I'd had a... An opportunity to uh, embrace a number of pints of gorgeous Guinness. And then you met somebody who told a little story. And uh, David, it wasn't a very nice story. It was about me not paying a bill for dinner or something like that.
1: But you got the most out of him. Tell us what he said. Well, absolutely. So like, you seem to know everyone. And if you don't know them, you talk to people in a way that you do know them. And then they end up convinced they must know you. (laughs) But this guy was telling a backstory of having met you in a restaurant where you went to him. And said, oh, look, I forgot my wallet. Is there any chance you could pay? And I'll, I'll square you away when I see you next time. And he recognised you as the famous Formula One team owner of, of Jordan move Grand Prix. On, move on, move But anyway, I, I, I stood there, not quite drinking my Guinness, uh, open mouth, because he did pay. He paid. And what's more? You never paid him back. No, that's not true. He
0: did actually say it took a little time, but then I didn't see him for a long time. But I did, of course I paid him back. Then that's why I'm able to live here. But David, you must have done that several times. You must go out without your wallet.
1: Come on. Not that I ever remember ever going out to a restaurant and and not having my my credit card or some cash. I always like to make sure I've got at least the price of a meal uh, tucked in my pocket. But anyway, I, I did go to pick someone up at the airport several years ago and forgot my wallet as I rushed out of the house. So I was, I was doing one of the kiss and flies, where you know they, they charge you about 15 quid for 30 seconds, the most expensive kiss you'll ever have, um, doing, uh, really? going to pick someone I up. I think
0: that's cheap by your standards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bearing in mind. Yeah, well, bearing in mind things, yeah, possibly, you're right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I found myself uh, trying to get out of the, the kiss and fly, and I didn't have any, any means of paying. Oh, so yeah. the next car beside me, I sort of wind down the window and, and gesticulate, And it's none other, without a word of a lie, than your old body, um, uh, uh, um, uh, the footballer who's very famous, whose name David Ginola. Jesus, his name went out of my almighty. head there for a minute. He's a
0: world star. How could you get
1: a name like that? I'm in the same room as you. It's very disconcerting. It puts me off. It really, you know, puts my equilibrium out. Uh-huh. And so anyway, David Ginola. In the next couple, and of course, I recognize him, and and you know, we'd met at some event previously, and he was like, "Oh, hi, David." I went, "Look, I'm really sorry. I don't have my wallet. Is there any chance you confront me the, you know, two euros or however much it was?" And of course, being a very kind gentleman, he did. And actually never paid him back. And the next time I saw him was at one of your charity nights. Um, Is it Click Sergeant where you you help uh, those that have fallen hard times and you help them get back on their feet? And he was there. And it was, I think, the shock of seeing me and then me not having paid the few euros. He had, he had a heart trouble, didn't he, he, he that he, night? We he, had to call
0: yeah. the emergency because I remember so well. He looked amazing. If Marie, in her ultimate wisdom, was ever to believe me, this is the long-suffering wife, um, she, she'd jump in with him. He is just such a cool guy. For many, anyone who remembers, the only good thing about Tottenham Hotspurs was the fact that he, he played football for them. He's such a really cool guy and uh, brilliant for charity and he lives locally here and we see quite a bit of him but he's probably one of god's most chiseled creatures he's absolutely a gorgeous looking man
1: i've never heard you talk so affectionately about another person
0: well well, he is a special person he gave you that money and he used to come to our
1: charity things a really good guy anyway moving on davis well look that's that's fine well later on we're going to be talking about a subject near and dear to your heart and that's Arguing. I think if there was an Olympic gold medal for arguing, they would just give you the medal. They wouldn't even have to run the, run the actual competition. But before we do that, it's time for one of your celebrity stories. Um, so we've touched on David Ginola. He's, he's a decent, decent Absolutely. celeb and all-round good guy. Um, who, who have you been in touch with this week that would be world-renowned?
0: Well, he's world-renowned for a number of reasons. His name is Michael Flatley of river dance fame and he's probably the greatest dancer that we have in our lifetime i think he holds way and by far the the world record for the most number of taps in a second or a minute uh michael is a treasure what he brought to dancing and brought to that kind of a show is legendary now world famous and of course it actually was inspired and came out of ireland and i I can tell you the story about that in time, if you wish. Have you got a message from Michael at all? Did you well, reach Michael, out to him? Well, I, Michael, when he heard that we were doing this podcast and then he started to write to me and say to me, my God, you pair are lunatics. What are you doing? He said, um, he said keep me informed. So I had to send him the link. Uh, and every Friday, every Wednesday night, midnight, he, say, he says he stays up to listen to our latest podcast. So he sent us a message and let's, let's hear what he has to say.
2: Hi, EJ and DC. Michael Flatley here. Uh, congrats on the new podcast and thanks for having me on the show. How in the world did they allow you two lunatics to be on the same show at the same time on the same day this should be illegal somehow i'm sure Uh, i'm drinking buddies with these two living legends and every time we go out it starts very civilized and really cool but somehow mark thomas or some of the lads show up and we segue nicely into the flatly martinis monkey 47 straight up dry with a twist and we all head into deep water within minutes We're all singing our hearts out, dancing on the tables. EJ's got the sticks out, lifting the roof off with the the drums and happy days. All all good. Uh, Listen, I got one quick story to tell you. Uh, and it concerns you EJ. Back in 1994, I created a new dance show called Riverdance and it was a huge success. So I turned it into a full length show and we opened at the Point uh, Depot that you'll remember Eddie, uh, in 1995 and and took off like a rocket ship, sold out to the rafters. I went to the promoters and I said, listen, we got to take this to London, to the Hammersmith Apollo. Which we did. Again, we sold out in a heartbeat, but we needed a little star power, a little sparkle. So we said we'd call Eddie Jordan. He's the you know, most loved guy in Ireland, the biggest superstar that we've got there. And I said, uh, Eddie, any chance you could pop along to the gig and maybe bring one or two of your mates? And he said, let me think about it. I forgot all about it. Next thing opening night, I come flying out on the stage dancing and I looked into the front row. And who is there only? Eddie Jordan with a smile from ear to ear. On one side, he's got a row of supermodels. On the other side, he's got James Bond and a row of billionaires and Formula One legends. That's Eddie. Let me just finish by saying I'll never forget after the, uh, when the gig was over, <laughs> when the gig was over, all those people got pushed out of the way quickly because everybody wanted to get their photo with EJ. That's our EJ. Anyhow, listen, guys, I've got nothing but love and respect for both of you. Can't wait to see you in Monaco soon for another martini. Ciao. Wow.
1: What a great message. From a great I, man. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> You're not used Goodness. to having people say nice things about you. I
0: hate people saying nice things about me. It really irritates me uh, because I feel almost that it's not natural, and uh, I'm beginning to hear it more often recently. Well, I'm I, concerned.
1: Well, now you are a star of podcasting, then uh, you oh, know yes. everybody wants you've to give given me that chance. You do. Well, you know, EG, I'm glad you recognise it oh, because yes. but you've uh, always I've given me a chance. I've always, I've always believed in your potential. Absolutely. But uh, no, that is a great message, and. There's no question, credit where it's due, you you do bring uh, a crowd and you do bring an energy and you are, uh, in small doses, good fun to be around. Shall we move on? <laughs> uh, no, you need to know who I
0: brought because oh, I think that's really important. So, Bernie, Slavica, which was not always possible to see those both together. Bernie's uh, wife at the time? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Flavio turned up, another Formula One guy with the Benetton team. And I think he had Heidi Klum with him. I couldn't. Be Sure about that one um, I, I was sitting beside <laughs> Helena Christensen Which was no hardship Helena is not hard on the eye I have to tell you she's a real beauty And gorgeous girl as well I'll tell you a little story about her in a sec But alongside then there was Nick Mason uh, And Nettie and uh, further along that row was um, Piers Brosnan, who had just starred in a couple of the 007s, and I think that's the reference uh, that Michael was talking about um, in in terms of the the James Bond thing. But it just went on and on and on. There was such a a great group of people. Just a little small story about Helena Christensen, if I may. Um, Helena was sitting beside me, and I'm getting a little bit irritated because she was on the phone all the time, and I was trying to figure out, and halfway through, I said, Christina, what the... And hell, are you doing with that phone? And she said, "Well, I, 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 I'm not sure if they have a CD of this music." Out in the foyer as we leave And I've just I have the phone on to my answer phone Back in my flat in Paris And I just So as I go back to Paris At least I've captured the moment This is amazing And that's my
1: Helena Christensen story That's called piracy She was stealing the, Stealing well, music
0: sh- from the artist I am How can you sure there's that? a lot of people out there Would like to steal all sorts of
1: things from Helena Because she is gorgeous And we're going to move on a little bit. We know the world of Formula One can be very contentious at times. And so the producers wanted us to think about some of the biggest arguments and disputes we've been involved in. Maybe if I open with one of the disputes I found myself in right at the beginning of my career, and then we'll get into what I'm sure is a much more embellished and enjoyable story Leave coming from word, yourself. That word embellished, you seem to have adopted
0: that word some shows ago and I'm, I'm concerned about it. I'm actually trying to figure out what does it mean? Well,
1: uh, it, it, in brackets... It, it just oh, says shit. Eddie Jordan. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> you're now in the Oxford Dictionary. Okay, as a definition. And now we, we'll have to hear your story. Right. But. Okay. So right at the beginning of of my career, as you remember, uh, through the tragic weekend uh, weekend of Emilia, when when we had the big crash with Rubens and your car, he broke his nose and broke his forearm, I believe, and then the tragedy of losing Roland Ratzenberger on the Saturday, and then. You know, on top of what was a, a terrible weekend, um, we, we then lost possibly one of the greatest drivers, if not the greatest driver in the history of sport, Ayrton Senna. That then led to a series of changes in Formula One, as you well know, and led to me becoming a Grand Prix driver. I was managed by IMG at that time, uh, which was uh, Mark McCormack, who was the American man that uh, started IMG. And... I had a contract with Williams, which was basically an add-on to my testing agreement. We never actually, because, you know, during that, that traumatic period, uh, I was basically brought in for eight races and shared the car with Nigel Mansell in 94. And again, it just kind of rolled into a slightly one-pager added to the test contract um, for the 95 agreement. So I then find myself um, signing for McLaren for 96, 97, for various reasons of which we don't have enough airtime on. on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, it meant that uh, when, when Frank decided he wanted me for 96, he had to challenge the contract that I'd signed with, with McLaren by going to the contract recognition board. So I had this weird situation where I'm driving for Williams but I go to Geneva, which is where the the lawyer's office. I'm sure you've been there yeah, many been times, there Eddie. Several times. Yeah, and um, and and I go in the room and sit down on the McLaren side, who I'm not racing for until the following year. And the the uh, the QC, I think, was George Carman, the McLaren. Ooh, wow, a that's very heavy, a heavy hitter, very hitter, very heavy hitter. Yeah, and the reason to mention his name is. At the end of the hearing, you got a very quick uh, decision and it was found that McLaren had the dominant contract and that I would see out the remainder of 95 with Williams with the certainty of knowing I was going to McLaren. So I then left that that meeting, get on a plane with Frank, who's been on the other side of the table, fly to the next Grand Prix to race for Williams. So you'd think, pretty awkward situation, but as you have developed um, over your time in the sport, you develop a pretty thick skin. And instead of Frank being all pissed off, he was like, "I have to thank you, David. I've thoroughly enjoyed being cross-examined by George Carmen. I have tremendous respect, <laughs> respect for, for his <laughs> achievements." And of course, I was a young man thinking this is just the most bizarre situation. If I just you're in a dispute, and then it's like going, you know, you're going back into the the company that you're trying to leave. David,
0: it reminds me of something that perhaps I could ask you. Uh, the analogy to that is being divorced, and then suddenly getting back into the marital bed again. Do you see that analogy? Not in my (laughs) lifetime,
1: I've not seen that analogy.
0: (laughs) I thought you've been through most scrapes in that area.
1: (laughs) Well, only only one divorce pending. Um, Definitely moving on. What's what's your your, uh, biggest argument? Every weekend was an argument for you. I
0: must tell you that every day without aggravation is a bad day. I love aggro. It keeps me going. It fires me up. It gets my head thinking. I'm trying to scam something and think about something, how I can find a solution to it. I, I've i always said it right in the beginning. I enjoy stress. I enjoy aggravation. I do not enjoy distress. That's completely different. But yeah, there's lots of them. If you talk about motor racing, and which you've just talked about, which I didn't know some of that part of that story, that's very nice. But um, I remember, it must have been just after 9-11. In fact, it was. Um, we were the first international sporting event to go back into America after 9-11. And Bernie insisted that this was solidarity for our friends in, in, in the States and that we should be seen to be doing this. And we went with the Formula One, the whole camp, if you like, everyone went there. It was a full-on blown Grand Prix. And we went to Indianapolis. And we were quite pleased. Um, we finished 4th. Only for the fourth place to be taken from us. Something to do a trivial thing about a plank not being the right distance. And now Trevor Foster, who is the team manager, he was always nervous of me going to the stewards meeting because he knew I would cause aggravation. And this was no exception. So I went to the stewards alongside him. He did the talking. He did the explaining. And he was talking about the tolerance level, 0.5% or this or that and the other. And I could see this wasn't making the right kind of impact on these stewards. And um, we finally get the decree. We leave and they come back and we'll get back to us. And they said, no, the the fourth penalty, uh, it's taken from you. We do not agree your argument and you've lost the position. So then I said, OK, Trevor, let's have a look at that. So he showed me the answer. I said, let me see what they said. And I don't know what happened to me. But I said, Trevor, remind me. I thought there was only two stewards in there. He said, yes. He said, well, this, this document has three stewards having signed it. Where was the third guy? And um, so I agreed to appeal their decision to the FIA court in Paris. And I was able to find out that the third steward was on a plane back to Canada. He had not been present and never was present. Yet his signature was there. Well, it wasn't his signature, actually. Um, And then I found out who eventually it was. And uh, the other thing that happened... Uh, during that, of course, I did get tipped off, I must tell you, but I'm not going to say who or why because it would it would be wrong to make any reference to that. But I had a tiny well, little tip-off.
1: You shouldn't have mentioned you got a tip-off then well, because now everyone's mean, listening that, going, who gave brilliant. the tip-off? I'm not that brilliant. You, oh, that,
0: I was buying into it for a minute. Sorry, now I'm we all kidding. want to know who's the grass. Oh, no, 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 no. I did notice that there was only two. And what happened was that a a, a girl, a prominent girl, Uh, who is a PA of uh, a very senior person inside Formula One, had been asked to sign this person's name. And I went to Max. Max rang me up, Max Mosley, that is, who was then president. And he said, Jordan, you're being silly. This is never going to work. Why are you bringing this to Paris? I said, listen, Max, you will notice on your desk tomorrow morning from our lawyers a a subpoena request for a certain person because I've had to go to the forensic department of of, uh, Scotland Yard (laughs) <laughs> which was an absolute lie, but he swallowed it. And um, Oh, it sounds absolutely believable. <laughs> and uh, the forensic department, I said, Max, the, the forensic department of the Scotland Yard has said this person who signed that other contract, that other document, is the same person who signed this guy. And I said... The decision has to be overruled because this document you've served upon us is fraudulent. Now, if you want me to bring that in future in front of the court in Paris, I said, and that was the first time ever the FIA were beaten in a court appeal. So a little bit of history, but, you know, it's called shenanigans. We were very lucky. That was my aggravation of the day that day.
1: Well, that, that is uh, quite remarkable. And it just goes to show that... I oh, got at, the four
0: plates back, of
1: course. You, oh, of course you did. Yeah, I, I don't doubt you already had uh, Celebrate you know, already celebrated the <laughs> money that you got. Uh, because, of course, as a reminder for uh, our audience, that uh, the, the money is in the constructors. There's no, there's no money in uh, the driver winning, per se. The of driver would not. get a Why bonus. Why would you give but, you
0: money? You're just a, you're just a hard, <laughs> As Bernie used to say about drivers at the team principal, he says, guys,
1: they're just fucking hard hands hired hands were just light bulbs as one (laughs) starts to dim you put in another brighter uh, stronger wattage talking actually of drivers um i did almost get in fisticuffs with uh, a driver that brought you success with damon hill my teammate at the time at williams because again this involves you and again it involves spa because uh, i can't remember if it was 94 or 95 but there was a qualifying session it was dry at at the very you know start just in the countdown and it's And normally we would wait a few minutes before going out. But lining up at the end of the pit lane was uh, Barrichello in the Jordan and whoever your other guy was at the time, maybe Eddie Irvine. And um, How could you not not remember Eddie Irvine? (laughs) Well, all I remember is that it started to rain halfway around the first lap. And, of course, by the time everyone got out... The track was wet. Uh, Rubens managed to sort of get himself round and took pole position, which is where he started on the, on the race day. And the reason to mention him and to mention Damon, Damon was third on the grid. And I was saying to Damon in the debrief in the morning with all the engineers, I said, "Just be careful with Rubens at the start. He's not a great starter." You know, I'd raced against him in Opel Lotus from the three, from the three thousand. He, he was a bad starter. He was a great qualifier and a lovely man. But uh, he, he he some, some he seemed to struggle with clutch control. I think he's one of those kids that did driving tests using an automatic rather than a manual. But anyway, um, so I, I'd, I'd obviously mentioned this a couple of times and Damon was quite highly strung and he thought I was trying to get inside his head. I was just trying to be a good teammate, you know, just make sure you don't get boxed in really? by. It. I was indeed, you know, it was absolutely sincere. And so in front of Frank, in front of Patrick, in front of... Uh, uh, John Russell, who was an engineer at the time, David Brown, who was an engineer, and Dickie Stanford, who was a team manager, Damon goes, you say that one more time, I'm going to punch you in the fucking face. What? Yeah, unbelievable. It came, just came like that. So I was like, you know, I'm not a fighter, of course, so I thought I'd stall for time. And I was like, well, Damon, if that's the way you feel, let's step outside. <laughs> Figuring if he goes outside the engineering office door on the side of the truck, I'll be going out the back of the truck and get my helmet on. Anyway, he obviously declined to step outside. Um, but it all got a bit heated. And then I think Patrick had to sort of step in with his booming voice and give it, gentlemen, this is not the way to conduct a debrief. And it all kind of diffused from there. But he's got a fiery element to him. Old Patrick yeah. knows yeah. how to have a rock. Yep. So I, that's, I guess that's the well. Yeah. Michael never quite managed to get to me in spa. Damon threatened to to give me a, There's something about Belgium and people wanting to, to give me a slap. Um, uh, you're only saying that because... Your ex-wife is Belgian. Yeah, <laughs> she definitely wants to give me a slap. <laughs> did, you, did you ever get in fisticuffs?
0: Well, or? of course, yeah. But look, not recently. I never really got punched. Um, what you do you mean you d- never really got punched? You either did or you didn't.
1: Well, You, you know, you can't be a It's a long time, pregnant. and it's
0: long before for, uh, Formula oh. 1. And uh, I think it was the mid-80s. Uh, I remember being in... Um, do you remember the driver, Davy Jones? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> he was a, a US He'd driver. He had a lovely locker, didn't he? He...
1: Hey, pardon? David Jones's locker. Is that not what you call it? The, the, the bottom of the sea? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it was my attempt at humour. It failed. Uh, actually, m- sorry.
0: Well, it's just gone over my head here, DC. Remember, I'm not that intelligent. I'm certainly not as intelligent as you I yet. thought you were
1: a seaman. You <coughs> spent a lot of time travelling around
0: the... Yes, but the lockers the and things like globe. that. That's usually... Yeah, so anyway, let's move on. But you mentioned about uh, Barry Carroll before that. I think some of the reason he didn't have good starts is because the second-hand clutches that we were putting in the engine at the time probably didn't work quite as well as the new one. So that was that. And... Um, do you remember Russell Spence? I do. He was well, a great driver. Absolutely. And Russell was uh, absolutely wild in almost every particular way, but a great driver who hadn't been brought up on karting, came into the business very late. And he he wanted a new engine. Now, it was a kind of a confusion in my mind because Davy Jones did not pay his bills. Um, I think his father was a bit tricky and he borrowed 15,000 or something like that from a bunch of people in Sicily for the Grand Prix, the the Formula 3000 race. And that's not somewhere you borrow that kind of money and hope to get away with it. So the following year, they thought because it was the Jordan team that he was driving for, they would attack me. So I was brought into this room and it was blackened out and there was about five very serious heavy guys in there. And I was being pushed from one to the other around the room and given a little bit of a slap every now and again to say... And I said, guys, you got the wrong guy here. I think got got I would to watch man. that. I don't have an American action. <laughs> I'm out now, out, Paddy, you're mixing it up. I don't, I have a people called Russell Spann. So Russell wanted to come to save me. And um, he's a tough, Russell knows how to protect himself and he knows how to get his fists up. But um, he, he was a class act, but I got a few punches there. And then Russell wasn't very happy with me and he threatened to punch me himself because I wouldn't replace the engine that he got. He thought it was down in power and I told him it was perfect. We did all the checks. Uh, Brian Hart was there to prove that the engine was fine uh, But Russell wasn't having any of it And I think there was a few slaps involved there as well So there's a couple of slaps It was a particularly strong weekend Just like you have the problem with Spa I have a problem with Sicily
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, okay we'll, we'll, we'll not be, I'll not be heading there with you on your, on your boat anytime soon <laughs> Sailing <Yeah>. in Sicily
2: <laughs>
1: um, Shall we move it along? Shall we uh, get some listener questions? And uh, we've got one here uh, from John Conroy. Let's hope he's not Sicilian. And he asked, oh, this is to me, actually. He said, did you ever make up with Michael Schumacher after Spa? Yes, John, I did. Um, and we were able to laugh about it uh, and, and share many good times over a Bacardian Coke, which was Michael's favourite tipple. Uh, he, had a, he enjoyed a cigar, which I tried a couple of times with him, but it's just you just end up with such a bad taste in your mouth.
0: Well, God, how, do you, how do you kiss girls who's, when you've well, just had a
1: cigar, I mean, David, f- I mean, you
0: should know more about this than anyone. I,
1: I, you you, you just don't. Not on. You don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. No, you end up with, you know, sort of Brittle terrible parts. breath. Yeah, horrible breath. But, yeah. Um, now, we've also had a, a listener leave us a wee voice message. Uh, and you can also do the same by emailing us at ffs at whisper.tv. That does not get any easier for me to get my tongue round. Ffs at whisper.tv. Uh, so let's have a little listen.
3: Hi Eddie. Hi DC. It's uh, Surfy Steve here, Steve McClure. Eddie, I've got a little story here about your uh, counterpart DC and I thought you might want to use it as a bit of a bit of ammunition. So I'll set the scene. It was 1997. David Coulthard was driving for McLaren. I was working at the time for Ferrari and uh, we had a show car, a replica Formula One show car outside a hotel in central Budapest. It was in a quiet square and I was dressed in full Ferrari gear, just walking across a zebra crossing, not a sound, couldn't hear anything. And the next thing was, I just heard this squeal of ABS braking. And I looked up and behind the wheel of a very smart car was um your counterpart DC, who went from a, a pasty Scottish white colour... To a bright red in seconds and he looked incredibly embarrassed and i mean he was only about five feet away from me as i was stood stationary there but um fast forward two weeks later and uh dc is i believe at the zdf tv studios in germany where he's being interviewed it's a bit like a question of sport i guess for the german equivalent and i'm there this time because uh the company i was working for. Also did show cars for Mercedes. I'm backstage with a car, DC's replica car, which is going to be rolled on set, ready for his uh, interview. And DC turns up and he he sees me and he doesn't he doesn't know me, but he recognizes me and he and he says, "Oh, I go, oh hi there." He goes, "Oh hi there, I recognize you." And I went, "Oh," he said. I said, "Yes, I said it was a couple of weeks ago in uh, Budapest." And he interrupted and was bright red again and he went I am so sorry he said I very nearly ran you down and I went yeah you did I said I actually uh yeah you did nearly run me down you only took my life and uh, he said yeah I was being um chased by the paparazzi and I was trying to outrun them but uh anyway that is a story I luckily lived to tell the tale and um DC I am still uh waiting for a bit of compensation from you. But, uh, you know, because you're doing such a good job on the podcast, I'm going to let it slide. But anyway, guys, bye for now. Bye, bye, bye.
0: I hope he has a a long life in front of him because he'll have to have great eyesight to see any compensation coming (laughs) his way from you. (laughs) As Bernie always used to say, great story. He says, ah, he say, Jordan, Nelson has a better chance of getting his other eye back than getting be paid by you.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, geez. Well, yeah, I'd obviously, um, I, I, I made an impression. Um, I don't, of course, remember that. But did you, you not know, find that, actually? You find that we've had such a sort of adrenaline-fueled life that it's quite difficult to remember all the, the little skirmishes and all the excitement along the way. But my, my sort of thing that makes me you know, feel very uncomfortable before any conversation started is when someone walks up and says, do you remember me? Why do people do that? And, I mean, that must happen to everyone, not just because they're in
0: sport or music or whatever it is, just normal life. People say, do not remember me? Like your granny talking to your sister-in-law or something like that. are? it's very... Dis- and How do you sh- handle that? Uh, it's like, oh, yes, I, I recognise you. What did
1: you say your name was? And that's probably the best thing that you can do. And then the answer comes, I'm Marie, your wife. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, look, EJ, I think that is uh, an opportune moment for us to, to wrap things up. Uh, I'm heading off to Miami for the Grand Prix, which should be good fun. Um, you got any any plans for the rest of the week? Well, I'm
0: um, hoping to go to, to Corsica, do a bit of hiking. Um, it's perfect out this time of the year. But the King's Carnation's coming up as well. Are you going to be watching King's Charles? Absolutely. Um, I thought his mother was one of the most majestic, magical women ever of all time, Queen Elizabeth. And, um, you know, I have to say I was devastated even that she'd lived to the great age that she did. It was such a blow because everything that she ever did, uh, I remember being asked by Coolmore to uh, assist with the Queen when she came to Ireland in that very historic moment uh, just after the Good Friday Agreement. She was a fantastic woman. I was the intermediary with the ambassador at the time because they needed somebody who had a good connection with the UK but had Irish links. Uh, And I was super honoured to do that. Um, I then saw her afterwards, which is very unusual. I got an OBE and um, I was hugely proud with that as well. So uh, I reached out to to, uh, Charles. I just hope that he can measure up to the same level that his mother was. She was magic.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting story. So you were sort of like an unofficial ambassador to Ireland. Uh, I would certainly not
0: say that and there's most people who... Advisor <laughs> to the ambassador. But you know, at that stage the Irish were cuddling up to the English and vice versa because for 600 years, man, for those people who don't know, I mean it was out and out like war. I mean we were uh, occupied by the British, um, but you know, isn't it just fantastic that there's been a, a resurgence in recent times, so many years and the anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement and we just need to sort out a trade agreement with Northern Ireland now. And when that's finally done, um, harmony will persist. And one of the greatest things on earth at the moment is having an Irish passport because I can go into England without having it being stamped and I can go
1: into Europe without having it stamped. So I'm the best of all worlds. Oh, well, actually, you know, Eddie Jordan, uh, royalists, Unofficial <laughs> ambassador, <for> international diplomacy—you <laughs> you really, you tick all the boxes, DC try stop embarrassing me because it's working (laughs) (laughs) right let's wrap it up there ej so that's all we've got time for on this particular podcast but uh, don't forget to subscribe and send in your questions and social media at f1 for success and we'll be back next week well i'll be back next week are you going to be back next week well if you'll have me i'm coming back i mean I'm, i'm beginning to feel as if we're joined at the hip can you do a sort of, you know, not quite Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'll be back, but an Eddie Jordan, Captain Jack Sparrow? I'll be back.
0: Oh, I'll be back.
1: <laughs> Play that, that to you your kids if not, you
0: want to a, give them nightmares. Not well requested I think that might have to be rehearsed properly, David, because uh, no, we need is to be rehearsal. nasty. I'll be back.
1: Oh, well, that's it. Ooh. Is that it? Well, actually, I got that's a tingle. Nasty. It, well, you know, it's. Are we supposed to be nasty? No, no. You're just supposed to be yourself, but you know, that's an underlying trait that you have. Thank you. Are we we finished? We are.
0: Good night, everybody.